back to the Valley to Peak Nutrition Podcast. This week, I'm joined by my friend Paul Kemper. Paul is a husband, a dad, an outdoorsman, the media guy for Fresh Tracks TV, a friend of mine, and a diabetic. There are several really great takeaways from my conversation with Paul that you may find really helpful to you, even if you're not a diabetic. For example, what if you train with someone who is? Do you know how to treat them if you're a long way from help and they need it? What if you're in the backcountry and you happen to find somebody who needs trouble? What if you yourself have problems with low blood sugars unrelated to diabetes during a training event, a hunt, a ski tour, anything else of that nature? Do you know how to take care of yourself and to get back to a place where you can get help? Paul and I talk through all of these things, plus a few resources that he's created through his brand, Wild Diabetic. It's a great conversation, and I think that you'll find several great takeaways that'll serve as an asset to you, personal skills as someone who enjoys time in the outdoors, whether you're a diabetic or not. Here's Paul Kemper, the wild diabetic. Yeah. So I'm Paul Kemper. I live in Belgrade, Montana. Um, I grew up in Western Pennsylvania and I was introduced to the outdoors from my grandfather and my uncle. And so from a probably maybe age three, I started fishing, started shooting guns, probably about the same time against my mother's will. And then, uh, yeah, I was shooting bows all, all my youth and then started bow hunting when I was 13 killed my first deer and you know just the hooks were set in there's it 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 was incredible and I always looked up to my grandfather my you know my grandfather lived four blocks away so we spent a ton of time together it wasn't just like you know Eastern Christmas it was every day and when I'd get out of preschool pops would pick me up and we'd go for a drive and hang turkey feeders or go fishing at the pond or whatever and uh there was always a connection of love with the outdoors. You know, it wasn't just a hobby, but it was, I'm doing this thing with this person that I admire so much. And my, you know, my dad took me fishing and my uncle, it was always these men that I looked up to that loved me so much that were, they took me out to do these things. And so that was, you know, the early foundations. And so, you know, went to college, I studied journalism and wildlife and fishery science. And then, got an internship in Montana and packed up my car and moved out. And, you know, now I'm the marketing manager for Fresh Tracks with Randy Newberg. And uh, yeah, I'm the vice president of the traditional bow hunters of Montana and the founder of Wild Diabetic. I love, I, oh, I definitely want to get into Wild Diabetic because well, for a lot of reasons, but one of the things I like as a dad, who's got a, a four-year-old, almost four-year-old little boy. And then we've got another little guy who's just about to turn one. And now that it's public, we can say that you're about to be a dad. <laughs> I am going to be a dad. Yeah. I, I think like everybody, um, maybe not everybody, but a lot of people are really, really interested. And in, obviously like when you love something so much, you want to give that to your kids and you, you know, obviously like there's this fine line of, and I'm not there yet. I don't know how to do this. Maybe I'll screw it up when I get there, but, um, between not pushing it on them, not pushing them into it because you want them to have it so bad, but you, you do want them to have it. And I think the thing that you said is enlightening to me as a, as a dad is like, there was always this, there was always this undertone of like just being with people you loved and it happened to be doing stuff outdoors. It wasn't like, all right, son, put your boots on. We're going for a 12 miler. If you want to be in back, you know, if you want to be in backcountry shape someday and want to see big bucks, you got to get out now. It's, it was just like, yeah, we went to the ponds or we hung turkey feeders or, you know, we just went out and 
took binoculars and looked for whatever, right? And I, I think that that is a really good thing, at least for me to remember in terms of trying to get my own kids involved with, with outdoors. Yeah, totally. I feel like, um, obviously I'm not a dad yet, but you know, your life is not about you. And so if you're trying to make it about you and, and push that on them, you know, I know that when I was age 11, probably to 18, my dad told me to do something. There's a good chance I wasn't doing it, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, facilitating that, providing the opportunity and, and, and providing that, you know, that opening for them to experience something awesome, you know, the, the primal depths, you know, the feelings that come out of there when you hook into a fish or that bobber goes under, you know, it doesn't have to be necessarily, you know, a steelhead trip in Washington in the freezing cold. It can be, you know, 4th of July at the pond and, you know, and you build on that, you know, it's just like anything, it's that slow building kind of at, you know, the person's pace or the child's pace, I feel like. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And it, it, I mean, that's a good transition too, because before we even started really recording, we talked a little bit. I mean, I'm, we know each other through you starting this thing called wild diabetic, which I definitely want to dive into. One of the reasons I wanted to have you on is so you could explain what that is because it is, and I think will keep being a really great resource for people, either a, who have diabetes, who get diagnosed with diabetes and them getting an understanding of how to, deal with this and not give up their life. But I think second, it could be for anyone interested, um, if a loved one or like your hunting partner or whatever gets diagnosed, how do you manage it? What can you do to be a support person? So I thought you'd be just a spectacular person to talk about that. Can you talk a little bit about when you got your diagnosis, some of the thoughts that went through your mind, some of the preconceived notions that maybe you had, um, when you got diagnosis, of course, that's probably changed over time, but just what that looked like being a person who really enjoyed the outdoors, specifically going away from the road and how to, how to manage all of that. Yeah, that's interesting. When I was diagnosed, I don't think I didn't have any preconceived notions. I don't think because I didn't know what diabetes was. I was five years old. And so for me, it was just like a lot of scary stuff happening at once. Um, I guess I, I knew there was going to be, you know, major changes in my life, but I don't think I had any idea really what those were going to be. And my parents aren't particularly, um, adventurous people. And so maybe that kind of played into some of my rebellion in my teenage years or whatever, but, um, you know, played it pretty safe. Like I, growing up, I fished a lot, you know, they would be like, Hey, do you want to play soccer? I'd be like, mm, I'm bass fishing, you know, like, I don't want to do that. You want to play baseball? Uh, not really. I'm whatever. And uh, so, yeah, as I, you know, as I got older, you know, I got in, I wanted to play football. I started playing football in seventh grade, I think. And it was just kind of like this learning process. I didn't know a diabetic who played football. And so there's the, when do you take your pump off? When do you get insulin? How do you? manage you know and a lot of that was just like hard learned lessons trial and error you know a lot of nights in the bathtub after a game with my legs cramped straight because you know I didn't have my pump on during the game and not enough insulin that you know my blood sugar the stress of the game lack of insulin I'd have a 450 blood sugar at the end of four quarters 
and I'd be chugging pickle juice to try and get these cramps to go away. And uh, a lot of like painful, crappy nights after games. And uh, but you learn and it's like, OK, maybe at halftime, I got to give a little bit of insulin. I got to make sure I'm staying on top of my numbers. And uh, it really was just a just like it's a continuous learning process. You never have it mastered. You never you can you can always get better. And, you know, that's something that kind of hit me hard this fall as well, where I was just struggling with big swings. I I miscalculate or mistime a ball as for a meal. I'd spike and then it wouldn't want to come down. I'd give more insulin and then I'd have these plummeting crashes. And uh, I was just like feeling pretty dejected. And it was interesting. I, uh, I had to refill my insulin prescription. It was my first time on my new insurance getting insulin. And um, I had to be, I, had, I needed prior authorization to get Novolog, which I've been using since I was in fourth grade. I started using an insulin pump in fourth grade. So I'm trying to think how many years that is. Maybe 15-ish years or more that I've been using Novolog. All of a sudden, I can't use it. They want me to switch to Humalog. And I was so frustrated. I had all these frustrations mounting with, you know, the less than stellar control of my blood sugar. And then the insurance company wants to tell me what I can and can't use to manage my diabetes. Like, oh, I was livid. And uh, I get Humalog. I start using it. And I'm like, wow, I've got much better control over my, <laughs> my sugars. I'm still upset that the insurance company was telling me what I can and can't do, but it was a blessing in disguise. It was like, all of a sudden, I didn't need to be so aggressive with, you know, correcting for high blood sugars or, um, you know, just had greater stability and less crashes at night. And, uh, you know, I'm 28 now. And so 23 years later, I learned something new that has dramatically impacted my control of my diabetes. And uh, you have to be open to that, you know, you have to be open to kind of going on that journey. And that's, you know, kind of part of what Wild Diabetic is about is in some of those cases, hopefully shortening the learning curve that you don't need to uh, go through all the, <laughs> the ups and downs that I went through over the years. I guess I, I guess so I have two questions that come off of that. For people who aren't necessarily familiar between the different types, how would you def like? What would you say the difference is between type one and type two? Um, I don't know if this is like up to date with maybe ADA definitions, but just for like the the common person, I typically say that type one diabetes is genetic, and type two is oftentimes more a lifestyle disease. Obviously, there's genetic predispositions towards that, but um, mine's an autoimmune disorder. And when I was five, I had a really nasty flu virus and my white blood cells essentially got confused. And instead of attacking the flu, attacked the islet cells in my pancreas. Um, the thing about that is that a lot of the symptoms of the flu are very similar to the onset symptoms of <laughs> diabetes. And so my parents for a while thought I just had this like nasty lingering flu. And, um, until one night I, passed out in the bathroom floor and like, this is not the flu. And, you know, went to the hospital and got my diagnosis and we were off to the races. Um, 
you know, but a lot of times you hear that type two can be controlled with diet and exercise. I require insulin every day to stay vertical. That I think that's one of the main key features is like, so type type one, I mean, you have to take insulin, which, uh, you know, and this is going to be my next question for you, but brings about its own unique set of challenges, particularly when you start going out and doing a lot of hiking, a lot of high output activity. Type two c- can require medications to manage, um, but oftentimes it doesn't require uh, medications to manage. I-, I can think of somebody right now who was in program or whatever was diagnosed type two. He did the work to make significant changes. And now his A1C, which is a measure of, you know, your, your diabetes and how well it's controlled or not controlled and a measure of diagnosis looks like as though he never had diabetes. Now people will often say that like, Oh yeah, it's, it's a, you know, I don't have diabetes anymore. It's like, well, it's always kind of present. It's just managed, right? It's really well controlled for type two. Type one though, and you hit the nail on the head and I mean, you should, you're the expert in this. (laughs) Um, I think that one of the main differences is the fact that you've got to have this extra insulin because the organ responsible for making it doesn't work as well as it, it, it did. And for you was because of this illness. What if in your mind, what are like, if you could narrow it to three and maybe you would even narrow it to one, maybe you would box it into five number doesn't matter. What are the main things that you've got to keep at the forefront of your mind? If you're going to go out on a two, three day trip. And I guess we could weave into this. If I were going to be going out with you, like, let's say you're my hunting partner. What should I know? What, what should I know as I go out with you to pay attention to, to watch out for, to help with if you start to struggle? One, I'm super blessed that my probably most frequent hunting partners are my wife and one of my really good buddies who's also type 1 diabetic. So we're always like <laughs> trading snacks when we need them and we know what to look for just because we've both been in the ball game for a while. Um, but I when I, I didn't start, you know, backpack hunting, I did a couple overnighters in college. You know, like I said, I grew up in Pennsylvania, so it was not big country. Um, but I did a few overnighters in central Pennsylvania, but it really started when I moved to Montana. And so not that everything I knew didn't matter, but I now had to put a, a whole new lens on it. And I remember one of my buddies who I hunted with, his wife was a nurse and she was always so nervous for both of us, I suppose, of him going hunting with me because of, you know, the the extra risks, you know, associated with having diabetes when you don't necessarily have access to all the medical attention. Um, and so the big things for me are just like, you have to know your body. You have to know how you feel, you know, at your basal level and then at high outputs and, you know, in those different scenarios. If you've never, you know, pushed yourself really hard before, you should know the difference between being tired from working hard and tired from you're going loopy because your blood sugar is plummeting. Um, so know, hold on, and, real, real quick, and I'm uh, sorry to interrupt you, but you oh, hit, you said something that I think was key. Question that I'll get a lot, like on um, the Instagram uh, Q and A's, is how how do I know? if what I'm experiencing is just me being out of shape and the hunt's really hard versus 
I've got a low blood sugar. And I, I'd love to hear your answer and then I'll tell you how I answer it. We'll see if they line up and people should probably go with what you say over me, but. No, it's, it's different for every person. You know, a lot of it I think is kind of personality driven, you know? And so it's, it's good to hunt with friends that know kind of how you handle stress and in different situations. Um, for me, one thing I tell my friends that I'm hunting with is like, if they think I'm, cause I, a lot of times if they just say, how you doing? I am like a head down and go no matter what, like ignore the pain, ignore the whatever, just go. And so, Oh, I'm doing great. Like whether I've got blisters or my legs want to fall off, I'm saying, yeah, I'm doing great. Cause that's the way to get through, you know, tough hunts or tough, whatever. Um, but I'll tell people to tell me, ask me to tell them a joke because I have kind of one joke that I, it's like a very just fun, lighthearted, clean joke that my grandpa used to tell. And if I can't move through that joke, well, I'm probably not in a good place because my one thing I notice when my blood sugars are low is that I struggle to communicate clearly i always i take lots of short pauses i can't like the synapses are not firing like i want them to and so i'm always reaching and struggling to find the next word it's a lot of ums and meandering and baloney and maybe i'm umming and be meandering right now so maybe i got a little bit sugar but uh you know that's kind of like it's the mental side of it is more than the physical side of it you know it's there's just like a lot it's difficult to do tasks and I get frustrated and and so the joke thing is just like hey paul tell me a joke like, uh, like you should have some skittles uh the other thing is like i'm a pretty big guy and so i'm very good at keeping my course and walking a straight line and so if you see me starting to wobble a little bit and meander on the trail um that's a pretty good giveaway i was with i was hunting with two buddies oh, man this is, might have been 2017 and we were way back in Grizz country and both of their headlamps died. And so I'm leading the pack and they're following me down this mountain and I'm starting to just weave and bob down this hill, trying to get back to the trail. And my buddy goes, Hey, are you okay? And I said, Oh yeah, I'm great. He goes, well, you're wobbling a lot. Let's check your sugar. Sat down. I think I was like 42, you know, crushed a bag of Skittles, gave it 15 minutes, checked again things were coming up. All right, let's go. All of a sudden back in a straight line. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of it is kind of just a lot of it's like very, I would say it's just, it's kind of almost low key where sometimes it could be hard to maybe pick up on things if you don't know the person where like, it's, it's kind of like little changes. Um, but for me, I just recognize it because my mental acuity drops. Um, and that's what, and that's exactly what I've always said. I've said, if like, to me, the dividing line is, is if your mental clarity is gone, you can't think clearly, you can't form sentences. You're really struggling in that sense. That's probably low blood sugar. If you've got pretty good mental clarity, you've got good awareness, you know, where you're at, you know, you're able to communicate where you're at. If someone's asking like directionally where you're headed, it's probably something unrelated to a low blood sugar. You know, you could chalk that up to quote unquote, not being in shape, or maybe it's just, maybe it's just a tough, steep hike, whatever. But to me, that's kind of the, the dividing line. So 
number one, you got to tell the joke before we sign off because everybody's going to want to know what the joke is. And then number two, um, you said a couple of key things there that I think are worth hitting on. Not maybe, maybe for people who are diabetic, but don't know how to deal with this when they go out or maybe they're like getting ready to go on their first big quote unquote Western hunt and they have this and they're not sure how to manage it. You said a couple of things. You said, when I get low blood sugars, I need to eat Skittles. Why Skittles? Number two, you said, I sit down and I wait 15 minutes. What's the magic with 15? And I suppose that in addition to this would be the question, um, with the, why Skittles? Why that specifically? Honestly, I should stop eating Skittles because I don't know, Skittles were as a younger person, there was always the things your mom wouldn't let you have as a young diabetic. So like tricks cereal, that's one of my guilty pleasures because we would go to the store. I'd be like, mom, I want tricks. And she'd be like, no, you can get Cheerios. And uh, obviously when I was younger and especially when I was taking injections versus an insulin pump, it was brutal trying to just use or just using injections and trying to manage, you know, a high sugar treat like that. Um, and Skittles was another one. And so I just, I like Skittles and that's kind of my go-to, you know, you can get the glucose tabs and the chalky, whatever. And at the end of the day, it's like, man, I got to deal with this day in and day out. It's 24, seven, 365. You know, I really do my best to stay positive and not let diabetes, you know, steal from my joy, but there is a lot of BS that I'm just like, like damn this disease. And and so like little things like that, I'm like, yeah, I am going to treat myself. If I got to feel like garbage for, you know, 25 minutes until my blood sugar levels out and comes back to normal, then I'm going to enjoy my, my pick me up, you know? Um, so yeah, that's why Skittles. Uh, but that, but that is a, um, that is a, like the word pick me up is, is right. Right. So like as a diabetic and feel free to elaborate this on as much as you want, you want something a that's going to be pretty high in carb, right? And you can explain why that is if you want. So I'm sure that there's no like magic behind the Skittles, but I guess the better question I should have asked is why choose something high in carbs to bring that up? Yeah. I mean, it's not just carbs, right? It's, it's what kind of carbs, you know, what kind of sugar are you taking in? Um, and you know, I was actually speaking with a guy, I don't know, maybe six months ago about, you know, he kept crashing while he was hiking in and I have the same issue. And he's like, well, you know, I just, I'm eating, you know, Skittles or gummy bears or whatever it is. And I said, well, are you having anything complex to follow it up and kind of give you something to, you know, stabilize it? He's like, no. And I said, well, dude, you got to get some peanut butter crackers, or, you know, a granola bar, something that has a little bit more complexity. And so, um, you know, the, the, when you're diagnosed with diabetes and they say, when you have a, a low glucose, you take 15 grams of carbs, wait 15 minutes, test again and repeat. And, you know, the reality is, is, you know, when I've got a 45 pound bag and I'm going like this, you know, uphill, I'm not, I'm not trying to incrementally just inch my way to it. So I, want something that's quick that I can try and get that response going and then hopefully stabilize it with something a little bit more complex, you know? Um, 
even like after, if I've got a, a tough workout, I want to make sure that I'm having like a small amount of complex carbs, but some protein too, before I go to bed, you know, to help prevent those dips at night, you know, kind of when you stop, if you're going for a walk, you're not burning cal the same calories when you stop walking. But if you, you know, were pushing a heavy squat or carrying a heavy bag for a while, your body's going to continue to burn. And so that's something that I notice, you know, personally, is just like nighttime lows on hard training days um, and trying to figure out kind of that concoction that allows you to stabilize a little better. And so for immediate, you know, quick, fast acting treatment, whatever, you know, floats your boat, that is a simple sugar that'll get in your system ASAP is going to do the job. But it's important to not just, you know, spike that blood sugar up and then start crushing again uphill and you know 30 minutes later you're sitting again waiting for it to come up again and you get in this cycle of up and down and up and down and that just makes you feel like garbage you're not going to perform as well your brain's not going to be all there you're going to be distracted um having something on board that's complex will help you just continue on that path right so kind of what like what you're highlighting is when you're incredibly active your body is taking any carbohydrate that it's got and utilizing it as fuel and so that's what can cause the blood sugar to dip so low so you combat that by giving some skittles as an immediate source to bring that up so you can start thinking clearly it'll provide you some full some fuel too but then throw in a complex carbohydrate because complex carbohydrates break down a little slower so now you've got kind of this really great combination of fast acting carbs to bring it up quick complex carbs to delay that delivery over time it's kind of the best world and like i think you'd mentioned it a minute ago the rule of 15 which is why you said i sit down and i wait for 15 minutes i just think that these are i mean those in my mind would be like the best thing a hunting partner or a newly diagnosed diabetic or somebody who's maybe not taken on something really high exertion um good things to know because one thing that I, I see floating around a lot on forums is people who have any sort of a any sort of an insulin or glucose issue. It's like, oh, I need to be sure that I take lots of nuts and lots of jerky on this hunt, keep it low carb. And it's like, oh man, no. Because as you start, like you'd highlighted, as you start climbing, that blood sugar is gonna dip really, really low. And you'd mentioned earlier, yeah, you know, too, I think it's it's good to remember the weight of a pack would be the equivalent of doing a heavy workout. And so, yeah, your body requires fuel to like you, you use squats, for example, it requires some fuel to do that squat, but something's got to recover the muscle. So when you stop the carbohydrates you've consumed, the protein you consume, etc., it's not like it just is, it just stops. It's, it's still going to that muscle. And so that's why it's important to stay on top of the fueling too. And I, I mean, honestly, I don't know if those were your two or three <laughs> when I asked you earlier, but I don't know of a better two or three than that. That's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, you know, the other thing is like for diabetics is I think I feel like when I started out, I felt like I had something to prove and that I didn't want to give myself the time I needed to recover from a low like I should. You know, I didn't want to be a hindrance on someone else's hunt. And so I would just push and I'd, you know, just be crushing gummies down the trail. Um, and 
just so I could keep going. And it was like, I was a vacuum and just inhaling calories as I'm going. And, you know, I think I kind of came to realize that, you know, my buddies aren't going to be pissed if we take 10, 15 minutes just to sit down and catch our breath and let things get where they need to be, you know, not try and force it. Um, you know, I've been it, gotten pretty good at being quiet with rappers, but you know, twice this year, in, you know, inside a hundred yards on elk and set my bow down and reached in my pocket and like got out some snacks and ate them quick. Cause I knew if, if things happen and we got into a stalemate a little bit, I might not be able to do that. And so trying to get ahead of it and plan and allow, you know, for me, my diabetes to kind of fall into my process of how I approach a stock or a hunt or a calling setup. Um, so that it, it isn't a hindrance. You know, I remember I got a new insulin pump. I switched brands in 2018 and the, let's see, it was like the second week I had it. And I was new to the continuous glucose monitor, new to that pump. And my buddy's calling his bowl in for me and I, he's coming down the hill and I'm up ahead and all of a sudden, do 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 Dude, my pump's going off. My, everything's beeping. I don't know how to turn anything off. I think I ate every snack in my backpack and just hoping that this thing would be quiet. Bull ended up blowing out. And then as we're hiking out, my blood sugar just spiking straight up. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Like, this is the worst. I hate this stupid thing. But the, you know, the CGM and the pump have been absolute game changers, like life-changing technology for me. Yeah, but I mean, I think it's, it's good information. So like continuous glucose monitors and pumps, cause you've referenced those a few times, you know, historically people would have to stop. They'd have to prick themselves. They'd have to check their blood sugar. They'd have to pull out then, you know, a separate needle, a bottle of insulin, give themselves the correct injection dose, um, to, to fix whatever that blood sugar in CGM, which is continuous glucose monitors. I'd be curious about something after I finish this basically is is a constant monitoring of what your blood sugar is. And if it experienced any highs or lows, there's insulin in that pump that can be delivered and, and fix it. And like the other really nice thing about it is, is they keep this log of data. So if you go see a doctor, if you go see a dietitian, or at this point, you're probably more educated than a lot of <laughs> doctors and dietitians out there, but uh, they can help give you some wisdom on maybe how to fix that. Uh, this might be a rabbit hole. What's your thoughts on non-diabetics all of a sudden buying glucose monitors to test their blood sugars for quote-unquote optimal health and that whole thing? <sighs> yeah, that's an interesting one. I honestly, like in my life, I'm pretty laissez-faire, you know, like live and let live. Uh, the only time I'd really have a problem with it is when people who need them lose access to it because it's being consumed by people who recreationally want to use a CGM. I think there's a lot, there's a ton of great value, a lot of great information that you can gain from tracking your sugars, you know, especially after a meal, understanding how different foods impact your glucose levels in different ways. Um, but the other side of it is, that like i would argue that there's testing windows that if someone wanted to like prick their finger 
and and check their blood sugars after you know to get some insight i don't know if it requires you to use a continuous glucose monitor where if you're a, a normal functioning person whose pancreas is firing on all cylinders you're going to know what the answer is like you're going to be within a certain range and and that inf- you know that's kind of just how the human body works you know um so you know i've seen the same thing with ozempic which is uh i'm not super familiar with the medicine itself um but i know i've heard that some diabetics are struggling to get a hold of ozempic um but it's been like this fad diet medicine for weight loss and not that you know weight loss isn't a noble cause you know that may require some medicine but when you know diet and exercise is an appropriate starting approach to getting control of your weight and then diabetics who require that medicine are struggling to get a hold of it that's where it becomes a problem and so the data is you know i'm i won't say i'm a health nut but i'm i love strength training i love fitness and so i love seeing the data of how different foods impact me and so just from like a take diabetes out of it it's very cool to see that graft and to try to understand, you know, more about yourself. But like I said, if someone wants to do it, it's not that I have a problem with them doing it. It would, you know, the problem would come from if diabetics struggle to then access that resource because of a recreational use versus a, you know, medical use. I think you, but I, yes, I agree with that hundred percent. Um, I think anybody who's logical would, <laughs> um, uh, but I also think you've got to have a, you got to have a pretty in-depth knowledge of blood sugars and what's going to ri- what's going to cause them to rise and fall and monitoring trends etc because otherwise you've just got a bunch of data you don't know what to do with mm-hmm. right i mean it's like it's like having strava or it's like having a really nice watch or you know that tracks a bunch of training metrics or even something that tracks like lifting metrics it's like well yeah the data is really great but the data is only as good as what you can do with it so you know like prime example if you if you're wearing a continuous glucose monitor you go and do some sort of a, let's call it a high intensity effort, like hiking up a hill, you get to the top of that hill and it's, holy smokes, my blood sugar is high. Well, high intensity efforts can also push blood sugars high. Or if you get sick, right? If you get sick and you've eaten what you deem this pristine meal and your blood sugar is high and you're like, well, geez, what? maybe I need less carbs. I should cut the spinach out. It's like, you're sick. Blood sugars are always high when you're sick. Well, you have I mean, to have context. The last you know, that's, that's a really great point. You know, I'm just kind of getting over having some crud this past weekend, you know, and I'm feeling better, but for three days, my blood sugars were sitting, you know, and I was just on the couch resting at like 160, you know, and on that graph, it's like a state line, you know, straight line on an average day, I'm like 110, you know? And so just that stress of the body fighting off the cold is going to, potentially elevate your blood sugar, you know, and it's going to, it's affected the way I bolus for meals. You know, when I eat something, I'm definitely more aggressive and I have to be patient with giving that dose of insulin and then waiting 15, 20 minutes for it to get a head start before I jump in, because otherwise it's going to go up. And it, it was just really interesting to watch that, that last few days it's been on, on my mind. Yeah. Uh, I want to jump into, we may not get time for the joke. Uh, I want to jump into <laughs> wild diabetic. Cause that's one of the reasons we wanted to do this. I, tell me 
Um, we talked a little bit about it before we, you know, officially recorded or whatever, but what is wild diabetic and what's your, what's your ultimate hope with it? Yeah. Wild diabetic right now is a, it's a social page on Instagram and a blog on the website, the wilddiabetic.com. Uh, my goal is just to have a resource from a real life diabetic who has made a lot of mistakes, um, but figured a lot of things out that worked for myself. Um, you know, I never got down and out about my diabetes. Like I definitely have gotten down and felt dejected and felt those things. Um, but I want to be able to share that with people who either have been looking for someone who has gone through the same thing or, you know, for new diabetics who are just wondering like how their life is going to change or how they can continue to live an active lifestyle. And, you know, like we had spoken about before with, you know, learning the lessons about insulin while playing football or, you know, how I pack food for a, a three-day backpack hunt. Um, you know, a lot of that was trial and error. And for people, you know, if a diabetic doesn't have to be afraid of, you know, backcountry camping or hunting or whatever, and can make informed decisions or reach out and ask a question, have a resource, you know, essentially, you know, just like you would a buddy. But the thing is, you know, I didn't have, I've now met a lot of type one diabetics around me um, that are my friends. But when I got started, it was like, uh, you know, I know how to recover from a low blood sugar. I know how to eat. So I'm just going to pack a ton of stuff. I think my first backpack hunt, my backpack weighed close to 70 pounds and I didn't have any money. So it wasn't like I had ultralight backpacking meals. I had like cans of tuna and like all sorts of BS, but I was so afraid of running out of low blood sugar stuff. I had no idea what to expect that I, oh, I packed like two days extra food. You know, it was just, it was all, but I made it. I did, you know, three nights, four days you know, we saw elk. It was amazing. It was like a, a, a fundamental, you know, core memory, you know, life-changing experience. And I was kind of like, holy crap, I can do this. Um, but I got to get better at it. And so, um, yeah, it's just a resource to, you know, for me, a creative outlet to, you know, talk about my diabetes that hopefully helps people, you know, lower that barrier of entry or to educate people on how, just to live like the fullest, best life they can as a diabetic and not let diabetes be like this, you know, the hammer to fall on the rest of your life. Because I've done some pretty sweet things in my 23 years as a type one diabetic. That to me was one of the things that stood out the most is, you know, often, and I got a lot more of this uh, when I worked in the hospital versus now, but like people get that diagnosis and basically think everything's got to stop, right? Like I can't do anything enjoyable anymore. And, you know, I only know that through a, I only know that to be untrue um, from like a, from, you know, the nerdy side of science and data and know that if you manage it well, theoretically it'll work out and you have a normal life. You know it from an entirely different standpoint that I think only a person with diabetes who does these things can go do them. And so I, you know, I, I knew about it. You, this is, I knew you were, you are super passionate about it. And I love that. It just, it really 
I mean, I love anything that basically says, no, 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 that's not true. Here's what is true. You can live, you know, you can still do all the things that you wanted to do. I think that's great. So I'll be sure to link uh, the blog and stuff like that in the show notes. Before we let you go, I think we got time for both of these. One, you got to tell the joke, at least at the end. And then two, um, if you've got one off the top of your head, favorite Randy Newberg story. Oh, man. Um, that won't get you fired. <laughs> no, actually. Okay. So when I, when I was in college, I did an internship with field and stream and outdoor life. And in July, there's the ICAST show, which is an international, whatever. It's the fishing trade show. It's the shot show of fishing. And so as an intern, I was down in Orlando, uh, shooting and editing videos, kind of turn and burn. It was a very fun trip. And on that trip, uh, over that time, I believe is when Randy had released that uh, wolf episode, uh, which was like very controversial when it came out. It was right when wolf hunting was, you know, legalized in Montana. And I had messaged Randy on Facebook and I said, hi, Randy, you know, I'm a big fan. You know, I'm I do some filming myself and you know, right now I'm doing this and that, whatever. Just thank you so much for being a great, you know, role model and representative for hunters. I really appreciate you, you know, tackling something that's controversial and just representing us all so well. And I thought it would, you know, go into the ethers, never hear back. But I was like, I got to reach out to Randy and like. 10 minutes later, ping, you know, Randy responds. And we had gone back and forth a few exchanges for probably about a half hour. Uh, 2020, I got laid off in the spring when the pandemic started. And then, you know, towards the end of July, I was like, hey, you should apply for this job. We're looking to hire someone. And, you know, Randy and I go get coffee and we, ha- you know, have the interview or whatever. And we're talking. He's like, I said, I don't know if you remember, Randy, but six years ago i had messaged you on facebook um just saying that i was like a big fan and grateful and it's it's just really cool to to be here in this position and he goes oh yeah he goes i was reading back to those messages last night and uh that was a moment for me where i was like man like this guy's a real guy you know yeah. it was, really meant a lot but it was just really cool that you know what you see is what you get and uh yeah that was that was pretty cool that's a, I love, I mean, I didn't know that story before now, but I love it <laughs> because you get this vibe, um, you get this vibe about him, you get vibes about anybody who's in the public eye, really in any space, not just hunting, but there's, I think if anybody's honest, there's always this dose of curiosity of like, is that really you? And yeah. you get this vibe with Randy, at least I always have, it's like, that's really you. Like I could picture you being a buddy of my dad's. <laughs> so it's cool too. It's cool to, uh, it's cool to hear that's true. So appreciate you yeah. sharing it. All right, man, we got a couple of minutes. Um, tell us the joke. So there's this, this is back in old country, Italy. And there's this young man and he had just got married. He's walking down the, down the, you know, the country road and he sees this, this old man. There's this horse standing out in the pasture and he, the young, the young man walks by and he goes, sir, that's the, most beautiful horse I've ever seen. I, I, I've got to have it. And the old man says, yeah, you know, looks so good. And he said, what do you mean? He said, he's stunning. Look at him. He goes, I'm, you know, I'm trying to, you know, I was just married, trying to start a family. That horse could really help me till the fields and, and get our life started. And he goes, you know, looks so good. The young man said, sir, please, 
please let me buy this horse from you. I, I, I can't go on without this horse. And the old man said, you know, I'll sell him to you, but he don't look so good. Young man buys a horse and he takes it back and, you know, the horse is in the stable and staring at the wall. Won't turn, won't do anything. He's just standing there staring. He takes it out in the pasture and he tries to, you know, wave it over and it just stands there. And he's just like, what the heck is up with this horse? And so he goes back to the old man and he goes, sir, I, I, I think you sold me a, a blind horse. And he goes, I told you, you know, it looks so good. You did it well, man. I think your blood sugars are great. Yeah, I think they're good. I'm going to use it on my wife. <laughs> well, I love having that joke in my arsenal. It's not the best joke ever told. It's a great joke, man. It's perfect. It's, it's a good joke. It's a fun story. And it's just like, it's clean. I feel like sometimes you get in these like campfires with new people or, you know, different scenarios where people like tell a joke and then someone like whips out this like raunchy joke and you're like, gosh, dude, there's, you know, there's kids 20 feet away like watch it mm -hmm. and uh it's just nice that like it's lighthearted. and even if it doesn't get the biggest laugh you're like well i tried and i didn't hurt anyone's feelings <laughs> i you know what i think it's going to become i think it's going to become like the gold standard in the backcountry for testing blood sugars without a glucometer it's gonna be like, yeah it's gonna be like you know what we don't have a glucometer he doesn't look good tell the joke somebody get him yeah. to tell the joke paul thanks for coming man and um appreciate what you're doing for um for wild diabetic and you know like i don't i feel almost stupid saying i feel appreciate what you're doing for diabetics everywhere because it just classifies like it puts people in this like the box that no one wants to be in so i don't want to say that but at the same time like i know it'll be such a help to the folks who do have it who have diabetes and it'll be a great help to folks like me who maybe hunt with someone who does or uh, somebody who's preparing to maybe it's not even hunting maybe it's whatever maybe they want to do an ultra and they come across this and they learn a thing or two so i just appreciate you and i appreciate you uh what you're doing here it's very selfless and i know you're passionate about it so i'm excited to see what comes from it yeah thanks so much for having me dude yeah it's like i tell people that you know you, you don't want to be defined by diabetes like it shouldn't be your personality trait but you should definitely try and define diabetes and you know live your life that way like kick ass take names do awesome stuff and show like what you're capable of as a person who has diabetes i love it dude big thanks to paul for joining me this week and giving us such practical tips on the topic if you want to reach out to paul you can find out all of his contact information at the links in the bio or search wild diabetic if you enjoyed the podcast yourself, would you consider just taking a couple of minutes, ranking it in your podcast platform, leaving us a comment, or maybe you know someone who would like this podcast or other episodes that we've done. You could just pass that along to them. We'd be um, very grateful for that. Thanks for joining us again this week. We'll be back again with another episode here in a couple weeks. And as always, if there's topics that you want to hear us discuss, you can shoot those ideas over to us at info at v2pnutrition.com. Thanks for joining us. We'll have a great week.